come is to lift the name of our God higher. Welcome to Stratford Heights this morning. We especially want to welcome our abilities people here today. Thank you for coming. They get to come once a month, and we're always so glad when they get to visit with us. And thank you for being here this morning. Look at someone next to you and give them a high five and be seated for just a moment, please. Thank you. You look so good today. You look excited. I'm excited because sun, next Sunday is going to be so special. And we're having a good time today. We just have just come from early service at 8.30 here in the sanctuary. And then our Sunday school classes. We had the best class today. We're talking about how God keeps us. You should hear John Weaver tell some of his escapades when he was a young man, how God protected him and took care of him and brought him through. Sometimes it's good to look back over your life and see where God has brought us through. So we're thankful today for his word and the privilege to be here. Now tonight is service at six o'clock. Then this week is going to be all different. We're gonna have something so special next week that we're gonna plan all week for it. And that starts out with Wednesday night service. We will not have regular Wednesday night service because they'll be rehearsing here in the sanctuary and so forth. And then the Friday morning prayer meeting will be at home. So all of us will pray from 11 to 12 at home instead of coming out. And then for you that uh, haven't looked at your bulletin in the last two weeks, how many people in this building can read? Let me see your hand. Oh, I thought most everybody could. Once in a while, someone's handicapped and can't or whatever, but I want you to read your bulletin today. Look at someone next to you and say, read the bulletin. Thank you. Because inside there is the program of all the wonderful things that are going to happen next week. Service starts at 9.30, goes through 12, and we have the lunch. And I don't know if you have any more tickets. Tickets are all gone. No lunch here with us. You'll just have to go. But there's a waiting list, okay? If you want to get on the waiting list, we'll take your name and let you know. But uh, we're having a, a wonderful luncheon. It's going to be so special, everything next Sunday is. Here comes Pastor. He just can't sit there. This just in. No. Last Sunday, we had barely 100 tickets gone, and we were you know, nervous. Me and Liz did a little skit up here, and Gary interrupted it. And after that service, 500 people bought tickets. So we have sold every seat we got. We're doing our best to try to come up with some more seating. But in the meantime, right now, we're putting a list together. If you did not get your ticket, uh, and you're one of the over 500, uh, you can still get your name, call the church office, get on the list. We want you to come. We'll try to figure out something. We'll, we'll put tables up. We'll put picnic tables. We'll do something. I'll, I might even buy TV trays. There's something else I also wanted to say today. Don't you think that screen looks 100% better, huh? One of the things that's really been developing, and, and I want to take a moment. You just stand here with me. You, look, you make me look better. One of the things that's really been developing has been the online presence. Sometimes we will have over 100 or 200, or there have been as many as 300 that have been a part of our services online. And if you're with us right now online from 
eastern, western United States, wherever you are. Um, if you're even in Australia, we have a brand new family that has joined us from Australia, and they're watching. And so, g'day, Mike. But we're so proud of the fact that we've just got people, the, the Swifts have been watching us in Europe, and we have other folks that have been just all over the United States watching us. So we, we really had wanted to develop and, and get this upgraded, the equipment that we have. But, you know, with the building we're building and the Clayton Street building coming to us, there was just no way for that to happen. But I want to I wanted tell you this morning, God always has somebody who's just got a compassion and got a, a work. And I thank God for when God blesses you, you bless the church. $36,000 worth of equipment you see, cameras, screens, projectors, the Tyrannosaurus Rex out here. $36,000 worth of equipment has been donated for use in this church. Isn't that amazing? That is so cool. I want to personally, I know Lenny Robinson has been helping direct and head up all this new transformation. He, is, he wanted to make sure I thank some guys that had really worked hard this last couple of weeks. That's Delbert Davis, um, Beetle, we call him Beetle Bailey, David Bailey, and Jim Long. He wanted me to specifically make sure you knew that those guys have worked hard to get this up there. Now, I just got one question. I got to see this for myself, okay? I, it's a brand new projector, brand new cameras. I thought they were going to fix that, but no. That go, there goes my argument. For years I said, it's just that old projector and that camera. It makes it look like that. Oh, well. Anyway. We're looking forward to next week. Next week, it's going to be jam-packed in here. We have people coming from all over the country, flying in to be here for the week. Saturday night is going to be fun. Starts about five, a big gallery set up in the lobby for you to look back over a hundred years of photos. So exciting. Then at, at six, we're going to be having a reunion choir is going to be here. Big concert, big red carpet out front. You can take pictures with a lot of the, the uh, different backdrops and things like that. But we want you to be here for the reunion choir, special singers, Mike Tarter is coming to sing, Parma Man is coming to sing, so many people. We've got a call into Ron Medley. He says he just may show up. So we've got all these people that, that have agreed to come and be with us for this wonderful weekend. They're going to be here. They're going to do that. Then at 7 o'clock, over a year and a half of work has been put into a video documentary. We've shown you little bits and pieces, pictures, but I'm telling you, ain't going to be nothing like Saturday night. You're going to be able to see it right here. So you want to be here at 7 o'clock for that as well. And then Sunday morning, lots of special guests. Lee University Symphonic Band is going to be here. Lots of special guests. I even have one really surprised video greeting that someone sent to us that I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you who it is till next week. Barnes we're, the bar, are they here today? Is Brother and Sister Barnes here? Stand up. We want to see you. Amen. These folks left us and went down to Florida. I was able to visit with them this last year and was invited into their home, and I appreciated that so much. But we're glad that you've come home for our 100-year anniversary. We love you very much and miss you like crazy. We just may have to kidnap you while you're here so that you'll have to stay. 
But we love you guys very much. So there's so many things. Bishop Tom Madden is going to be speaking next Sunday. We have all of our former pastors who are alive and well coming. And they're going to be here. And so we want you to be here next Sunday. We got the parking fixed, worked out. We're going to park in the grass. All of us staff are going to park down the streets. We're going to be, we're just going to do everything we can to make sure that you have enough space to park. We'll park everywhere we can possibly park you. So please be here next Sunday and don't worry about a thing. We'll fix it if it, if it needs fixed. All right. Everybody say, God bless you. Say, we love you, pastor. Oh, that makes me feel better. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Pastor. One other thing he's doing he didn't mention that I'm taking care of. If you want to put something in our time capsule that's going to be buried with uh, some of the building that we're doing out here, and it will be brought up in 25 years from now, uh, you may say, well, we're not going to be here, but we may be back. The rapture take place, and we're going to heaven seven years and coming back for the uh, millennial reign. So just put it, get it in and get it ready. You just put it on a small piece of paper about this size. I've been collecting them all morning. And write down a testimony or a prayer request or your name or what you like about the church. And let, give those to us today. We need to get all of them in. You can leave them at the Welcome Center. And uh, thank you so much. Now we'd like to leave all of our visitors, our guests seated. Or if you will, just remain seated. And we're going to ask all of our members and regular tenders all over the building to stand at this time. And uh, look around and find our new people, those that are visiting with us, or maybe this is their second or third time. Shake hands with them and then get out in the aisles and let's shake hands one with another. God bless you. Welcome. I just want to stand in Jesus' name. I just want to stand.
Jesus. time is just never enough for me. I always need a little bit more time. So why don't you come to the luncheon next week and we'll just sit and talk the whole time. <laughs> it's good to see you this morning in God's house. As you are, as you're coming today, um, I wasn't supposed to be up here, was I? <laughs> <laughs>
its power. Oh, and it reaches to the high. It's mountain. Oh, yes, it does. Thank you, Lord. And it flows to the lowest valley. of communion in your hands this morning we want to go before the Lord and what he instructed us to do he said as oft as you drink this cup and eat this bread remember what I've done until I come as we wait for the coming of the Lord we will obey Jesus Christ to never forget he's done for us he instituted and, and he, he's, he's God he knows all things he's so intelligent he knew that we would need a constant reminder in our busy lives that he's our salvation that what he's done for us this is what gives us eternal life we're not saved by works we can't earn it, pay for it. We can't do enough to gain the kind of merit that lets us walk into heaven's gates. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, we, we have, the Bible says, entrance beyond the veil. We can come boldly before the throne. And because of his gift, you and I, until he comes, where it's as good as we're already there. So as you hold the elements of communion in your hands this morning with me, I want us to go back in the scripture to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23, where Paul was writing about communion. And he said these words, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And he went on to describe and he took the bread and then he took the wine. He said, this is my body. He said, this is my blood. He says, as often as you eat this and drink this, remember what I have done for you. Don't ever lose focus on what I've done. Because in that is our salvation. And he said, and if a person takes this and they take it carelessly they're not prepared in their hearts to receive this, uh, this gift through Christ. And it says, then don't take this, the elements of the remembrance, don't take them and misuse them. Said so if someone drinks this drink or eats this cup unworthily, it says that they're guilty of the body and the blood, the sacrifice of Christ, they're guilty. 
But he says, let a man examine himself so that he can eat, can be a part of recognizing what Christ did. Would you, with the instruction of the scripture, take just a moment with me in a very solemn, beautiful, wonderful way in your heart, would you simply just examine your own life? Lord, if there be any unworthy part of me to receive this communion this morning, then I want your cleansing. Would you take just a moment to do that? And so then, Paul wrote in verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. We thank you for the body, Lord. We thank you that you left the throne of God through what we know is theologically the incarnation. You became a human being. God, man, God, son. You became, Lord, sinless in this life so that we could know forgiveness. We thank you for the body that was broken, that was bruised, that was wounded for our transgressions. We thank you. We honor you this morning as we remember. Then in the same manner also we took the cup and when he had supped, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Yes. How many of you know he's coming soon? Hallelujah. They took the, the wine they, they drank. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood cleanses us. Your word says, though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are crimson shall be pure as wool thank you for forgiveness thank you for deliverance thank you for the blood sacrifice we no longer have to sacrifice the blood of animals on an altar no more burn offerings and sacrifices but Lord you are the new and living way the grace that comes from God you've brought us in Lord and you've given us hope you've given us promise and you've given us, given us truth. We honor you today as we remember in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. As you remain standing, let us pray for Israel this morning. I think one of the greatest things the Lord ever laid on our hearts was to remember the state of Israel and to pray for them. The Bible's very clear that those who remember and seek the good and pray for the peace of Jerusalem, seek the good of Israel, that they are blessed. And those who do not, the Bible says, are cursed. I want to be on, on, in on the blessing this morning. Not only because it's biblical, but do you not have with me a passion and a love for Israel? For its people? For the work that God is doing through them in these last days. One of the greatest revivals that will ever happen on earth will be God's chosen people as we approach the end times. 
Let's pray for them today. And as we pray, let's also pray for our brothers and our sisters all around the world who are suffering persecution. Unfortunately, it's not that far away, is it? As more and more we see persecution right here in the United States. Let's pray for brothers and sisters of the faith who are being persecuted around the world. Let's pray for our our country. And let's lastly pray for you. How many have a need this morning you want represented in this prayer? Father, as we come before you, Lord, we pray and seek the good of Israel. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, these your chosen, that you would bless them, keep them safe. Lord, their enemies surround them on every corner. Lord, they are stacked against them, but God, your hand prevails in comfort and protection over them. We pray for blessing. We pray, God, for your provision. We pray that, Lord, the grandparents and moms and dads, sons and daughters will be protected, your people, as they come together to fulfill end-time prophecy and as, Lord, they live out the hope and promise of your chosen generation. We thank you and we praise you for your hand upon them. Continue to guide them and keep them. Anoint their leaders. Give them wisdom as they move in your will. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted. The Christians around the world who are being killed, tortured. Lord, we ask you to touch their hearts and lives and minister comfort and peace to them. Lord, we know this world is not our home. That our reward is for all of eternity, Lord, where there will be one blessing stacked on top of another. Now, Lord, you have a special place for those who have been martyred in the faith. We pray your blessings over every brother and every sister who's going through crisis, who's going through persecution. Lord, even here in our own country, we pray in the name of Jesus, you would protect and keep people of faith. And I pray for our country, pray for our our leaders. I pray that, God, they will make decisions that are kept in line with your perfect will. Lord, I pray that your presence and power will continue to keep your people here. For Lord God, you will always bless America as long as there's a remnant of your people here who love you and serve you and are faithful. I pray in the name of Jesus, you will protect and keep America blessed. And Lord, I pray for every need that's represented, every heart, every hand that was lifted. I pray for every family, for every man, woman, boy and girl, that your work, your will will be done in every life, God, as we come together in your house. This is a house of prayer. We believe in answered prayers. We thank you this morning, Lord, for all your blessings, all of your provision. So we honor you and bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen with me today? Amen. You may be seated. I want to thank those who who have joined our Lyric Tech team. They're in the back today, uh, both at 8.30 and 10.40. They're kind of going through the motions of learning and being trained and shadowing those who will help us with some of this new equipment that we have. Kind of just ignore this thing. I know it's a little hard. Just, I've learned already in the the week uh, to just kind of ignore it. This team is bringing an excellence to our online and to our in-service presentation. They're working hard. They're dedicated to, to doing everything they can that, that it'll be just as excellent as it is in here, out there. Having people and, and knowing that they're watching sometimes by the hundreds all around the world 
online has become just as much a part of this service as any other place. And I pray for them. We've received tithe from people who live far away from here. We've received donations and missions giving because people want to be a part of us. And in this day and age, they're becoming a part of us through the online service. So we thank them. And now, would you help me to welcome everyone who's watching right now live online? Let's welcome them in the service. Amen. I was told in the, in the welcome that I look tanner now, so that's cool. But we, we appreciate you being with us, and we recognize that the Holy Spirit is right there with you, right where you are, right where you're watching, maybe right there on the couch in the living room. Maybe you can't get out, and maybe you're, you're going through sickness, and the only church you have is online. We love you. We're praying for you, and we're going to do our best to make sure that you, by virtue of the online service, are sitting right here in our congregation with us. We're going to remember you. So as we, as we look to the future and we see all God's doing to, to help us to be more excellent in what we do, if you'd like to be a part of this team, that we still need five more people to be a part of what we're calling a, a light tech team, the lighting if you'd like to learn the lighting board and if you'd like to be a part of that team, they, they want to train you. So see me, turn your name in at the office, write it in on, a, on a piece of paper and drop it in the envelope or drop it in the offering plate and, and we'll get to you and we'll tell you about when training is. We want everybody to be involved in something. We believe in attending a service and serving in a service. So we challenge all of our people to be a part. Somebody said to me one time, I said, oh, well, you got all, you got everybody you need. You don't need me. And I was just like, you have no idea. We have sometimes two people doing the work of 20 people because there's so much need. So we would love for everybody to have one job and everybody else to have one job so we could come together and not have to wear some people out. So volunteer, help us. We want you to be a part. When I considered the offering last week, I began telling you and sharing with you how the Lord had instructed me that I needed to teach our people. I'm one of those guys that I've always kind of said, I won't worry about the offering. You know, God will take care of us. And God said, I'll always take care of my church. But he said, you need to understand, boy, how I do that. I do that through my people. He said, don't hold them back from the blessings that I have for them. They shouldn't be careless with their giving. So I started last Sunday and I want to continue this Sunday. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 says this, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to, know, who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Faith and attitude go together. And when we take our faith and put it into action, 
then God's blessings begin to unfold in front of us. I want to challenge you this morning. I've heard all kinds of comments and through the years. I had someone who sat with me just a few days ago who said, why should I pay tithe? And I, I looked at him and I said, well, you know, tithing was something that it's been in the Word of God. It's, it was there long before the Mosaic. Some folks will say, well, that was the Mosaic law. And Abraham tithed long before Moses came along. Tithing was something that was on his heart. It was laid on his heart to, to give to priest Melchizedek. And we see it all down through, through the scriptures. There's always been this instruction, this command to give. We move into the end of the Old Testament. Malachi says, will a man rob God? They say, how have we robbed you? He says, by tithe and offering. Bring the tithe. He says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? The storehouse represented the temple, the temple rooms where their first fruits were given and, and the grains and things were stored. And they were always brought there so that there would be meat in the house of God, not only for the, the ministry, but also for the needy for the hurting we get to the New Testament and we find Jesus in Matthew chapter 23 he's talking to the Pharisees and he says these things you're doing all wrong he says the one thing you do is you pay tithe on everything he said that's the one thing you're doing right he says but all these other things I have ought with you I have problem with you he said you ought to do that, that thing talking about tithing he says but you ought to not leave out these other things that you need to do, justice and mercy, faith. So we know in the scripture, all throughout scripture, we're commanded as God's people to give, to give. Not just a certain number or a certain really percentage because it includes so much more than that. Not only our, our tithe, but our offerings, our missions, thank you to those who give to missions today the church practice what it preaches in this service and in the 830 service we will give all the loose offering no matter how much you give all of it goes to world missions we don't keep any of it if you gave ten thousand dollars in this service then ten thousand dollars will go to the mission field we've made a commitment to god that we will give if we ask you to give and god still takes care of the church people still make donations that are unbelievable and things still come around and God takes care of his people in his church amen I want you to trust the Lord this morning because you're not giving to the church see I've always been one of those guys I, I didn't want to do the offering I didn't want to take it up or make it a big deal just give you the opportunity and let it go and, and God was just like you're holding back blessings from my people stop it you're in disobedience. I really had to seek him about this because he said, you need to teach my people. Teach them to give so I can bless them. They're not, they're not giving their tithe to become a member. They're not giving their tithe in order to be part of the club. It's not for the church. It's not for the preacher. It's for you. And I don't know anyone who has more than enough that the tithe is no big deal. How many in here would say, when I first was challenged with tithe, I didn't have enough to do it? Who would say that this morning? And who would say also with that 
But when I started trusting God, he came through for me 100%. Amen. Let every man be a liar, but God is true. He will take care of his people. So trust him today. Trust him with your, with your first fruits. Trust him because you want to be used in the kingdom. And you want his blessing on your life. Father, as we come before you, we honor you. We bless you today with our gifts. Lord, I want our people to be blessed. You've blessed the church. You've given us opportunities for ministry that are blowing our mind. This new building that's coming out here, Lord, is a miracle. The Clayton Street property being handed to us, Lord, it's a miracle. And Lord, we will be true to the mission, to serving, to loving, to ministry, to helping. So bless your people. Challenge them to be a part of the process of ministry through our gifts together. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This evening we will be having a special guest, uh, Lester Rector. Uh, he was here a couple years ago with his wife, Lester and Holly. But they've had a newborn baby and Holly's not able to travel with him. But Lester will be here this evening ministering in song. One of the greatest tenors in the land. Uh, he works for Disney, does a lot of projects for them, and he's just got one of the best, purest voices I've ever heard. And along with that, a very pure heart for worship. He's going to sing, he's going to share in the word, and we're going to be blessed. So please be back for the evening service and enjoy Lester this evening.
Yeah.
Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me? Amen. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved you and me. How many of you were that wretch that was saved? When he reached down his hand, he had to reach way down for me and for you. As we go before the Lord this morning, we're going to pray one more time over the word. Also want to pray over in need. Little Judah, 21-month-old child. The family attends our church. This just came in right before service. We want to pray for them. This is Kim White's grandson, if you know Kim. He's in Children's Hospital this morning in Cincinnati in ICU. 21 months old. He was playing in their room on the second floor of their home. Got up next to a chair, climbed up on the chair, and ended up pushing the screen out and fell two stories down. As you can imagine, he's in desperate need of prayer this morning, so we want to pray for him. God has miraculously touched him, and we believe that he's going to be okay, but we are knowing that's the hand of God. I want to pray for him. He has a fracture and possible conclusion, contusions on his head. But unbeknownst to him, he, if he was going to fall, he fell right. He fell on his shoulder first. And in so doing, it protected his head a little bit. Gave a little bit of a cushion there. But we want to pray for him. And also, I want to thank the Lord that Brother Charlie Brandenburg is back with us in service today. We've missed Charlie. So glad he's here today. When I preach, I look out there and I see his head nodding and his eyes closed. I know I'm doing okay. And Sister Mary, we've been praying for you and your family. Flowers today represent Daryl Maddox, her brother, who passed away over the week. Funeral was, was Friday. And uh, we are praying for you and we're, we're thankful to be able to honor him today with these flowers. Also, Sue Brashear, I saw her walk in. Where are you, Sue? There she is. Sue has been gone a long time. We're glad she's back with us. We miss you, Sue. We're glad to see you in church with us today. Glad to see you. So we go before the Lord for prayer. I want to first of all read our text from James chapter 2, starting with verse 14. Living by our faith. I'm going to attempt to preach a message that I've wrestled with. This is one of those that I, I probably, uh, if there's any message that is hard to preach, one like today is hard. Um, you help me by saying amen a lot, and uh, that'll help me. Because I want to ask a serious question that we need to answer. We need to be able to answer today. And it comes from the words of James, and thankfully I get to detour all my hardness to him today. James said this, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? He asked the question, can faith save him? And in my own words, I wrote, is this man a Christian? Is he a Christian? 
Then he goes on in verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? James said. So then he says these powerful, ouch kind of words. He says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Mm, that's tough. That's hard. I almost want to run. Pray with me. Father, as we come before you this morning, we ask you to challenge us in your word. Pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to all of our hearts from me all the way to the back door. The Lord, we together will sincerely evaluate our own lives in light of the questions James is asking. And Lord, we pray for little Judah. We lift him up to you and pray in the name of Jesus that you will touch his little body from his head to his feet. Let him feel the power and the presence of God. Send your angels even in this hour as we've been praying. Lord, continue the work now as so many more join us in praying by faith for this young man. Touch him in the name of Jesus and miraculously raise him up in strength. As we believe and know that you're a God who is able. In Jesus' wonderful name we ask it and we pray it all. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. Also want to recognize, I heard as we came into service this morning that uh, Steve and Vicki Scott are here visiting. This is, is that right? From uh, your, I don't know if you're from Oklahoma as well. Are you? Oh, I saw that prideful. Yeah, there was some proud there. I see how you are, Sooners. Yeah. We are so glad to have you with us today. This is Whitney's grandparents, and we're honored. Would you stand? We want to recognize you and thank you for coming all the way from Oklahoma to be with us in service today. God bless you. And when I say proud, I don't mean a bad proud. I mean a good proud, kind of like Ohio State proud. Because we're, Amen. I felt the witness on that. There we go. We're glad to have you today. Thank you for being with us. And you have a great family. But you already know that. Crisis, serious questions, life and death, a challenge for us. Are we living by our faith? There seems to be a dividing line that's being drawn worldwide right now. A line in the sand, as you might have heard people talk about, drawing a line in the sand. We had really come far. The church had really come a long ways. I mean, we, we really moved from the other side of the tracks. I mean, we become popular. We got big buildings and we got nice technology and we got air conditioning and we took the sawdust out and replaced it with carpet. I mean, we've come a long way in the church. Used to be that it was pretty tough being a Christian. Our early, the founders of our church, Early ones, W.F. Bryant would hide his family in the hay in a truck as he got the horse rallied up and they went out to the, to the meeting house to have church. And many times that trip just to church was filled with buckshot. And he himself had been shot several times over their history, just going to church. There's been a lot of history and persecution of Christianity, but... We came through a lot of that, and it got to the place where the last, last half century or so, it, it's been changing, and it's, it's been good. But we see as we're now approaching the end time, the 
prophetic end times of Scripture, that there is a renewed attack on Christianity. We are starting to really understand the persecution that the Scriptures talk about when the cities in the Bible that were tortured or, or they were attacked and, and its enemies would stack up against them and they would be defeated and many times taken into slavery. We, we understand and we see scripture kind of coming to life these days in the form of persecution, torture. But at the same time, we've also become kind of sensitized to all of it. My fear this morning is that we will get to the place where it's nothing. I remember seeing the headlines a few years ago of 800,000 people that were killed through the tsunamis of the Mideast. I saw the headlines on the newspaper and I would bring it up to people and they were like, yeah, man, heard that, wow. And I thought, really? 800,000 people dead? Can you imagine? But then it's the same. In so many ways, we're at the point now where 25 to 30 people killed here, 100 people killed there, devastation, whether it's through earthquakes or tornadoes or shooters or terrorism, wherever it is. It, I don't, I've even heard people say, I don't even want to watch the news. I don't want to know that stuff. And I, I understand that emotion. I understand that feeling. But... At the same time, I also, it kind of grieves my heart a little bit because I think we are some of the most valuable people on earth, Christians are, because we have the tools of faith and prayer in our hearts and lives that is in practice for a real God who answers prayer and sits on his throne and is in control of the entire universe. So when we are not moved with compassion or we don't care and we actually want to keep it away from us. It really presents quite a problem to this thing we got working in our lives called faith. It presents a challenge that we need to look at today. We've become, as I said, somewhat sensitized to crisis situations. I wrote down riots, protests, massacres, earthquakes, crashes, murders, thefts, kidnappings, tortures, disasters. Crisis. Crisis situations happening all over the world, but a renewed attack on Christianity itself. You won't hear it on too many of the news stations, usually only one or two will even mention it at all. We'll mention lots of different things in our country from our leadership, and I'm not here to do politics, but I am grieved in my heart that we don't, we have a tendency to be very empathetic and sympathetic to everyone else in the world, but Christians tend to be condemned and attacked, even in our own country. Many don't know this in the world. I know you as a Christian surely know this. The Umpqua Community College in Roseburg, Oregon was the scene of the latest college shooting. Did you know that the shooter walked into that class on that early Thursday morning, walked in, looked at the classroom, and began one by one to ask 
the students a question. He said, are you a Christian? Those who answered yes were shot in the head immediately. Those who said no or didn't answer at all were shot in the legs. 16 people were shot in total. Nine students were killed along with the shooter. And the rest are wounded, many in the hospital still. Christianity under attack. I've heard it said many, many times, a crisis never made any man. It only reveals what he already is. A crisis has never made a man. But a crisis will reveal what he is. A guy named Stephen Thornton said this, conflict builds character. Crisis defines it. Crisis defines your character. For it's in those moments of crisis that who you really are, it just comes out. You don't have time to think about anything else. You don't have time to evaluate, how am I going to look? How is this going to be with my friends and family? How is this going to be received? We don't have time to think about the alternatives to my decision. When you're faced with a crisis situation, it's an immediate thing that you got to have a response. Never forget when I was a child and we had six, six kids and we had five in the back seat of an old Chevy. And my mom and my dad in the front and my mom holding the sixth child and we were in an accident, and immediately she went forward into the dash, and she crawled out. Just in a second, she called out and said, Jesus! Immediately. And I've never forgotten that. She began to pray immediately in the Spirit, and she began to pray over her children. And that was the first response. Smash! Jesus! Took me to the headlines back a few days ago in August, where... Twelve Syrians, Christians, were killed. Eleven men and one 12-year-old boy. They were all beheaded. They were asked a question. Are you a Christian? Will you denounce your faith? They each said no, including the 12-year-old. They would not denounce their faith. And they were crucified. That seems so far away from our own reality, doesn't it? I mean, we hear about it. We'll see it. We hear the reports, but we've become, we hear reports like this all the Turn the news off, would you? I mean, really? It's a little sad, isn't it? We seem to say sometimes. That's why we pray for our brothers and our sisters around the world who are going through persecutions because we have no idea what it's like, although it's coming home to America. I'm quite sure those students in Oregon last week or week before last, I'm sure that they got up that morning and just thought it's a normal, regular day. They're texting their family. Hey, we'll meet up for lunch. Hey, what do you got going on tonight? I don't know what I'm going to wear Got to get gas in the car on the way. I mean, it's a normal, regular, ordinary day. 
And suddenly, out of nowhere, they are faced in a classroom. They get there. How will I stay awake? Oh, the professor's going to be boring. They're sitting in the classroom. They're getting their notebook out, their iPad out. They're ready to take notes. And somebody walks through the door and changes everything in a moment. Crisis. Are you a Christian? Don't think about it. Are you a Christian? Yes. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to them which believe. I'm so proud of them. I can't wait to meet them. I don't know. I mean, surely if you're like me, you, you'll question yourself. What would you do in that moment? I, I want to think that I would die for Christ. I want to think that I would do that. I, I would tell you that I would die for the Lord. I would tell you that I would. But no one really knows who they really are until they're faced with crisis. You say, well, something like that's not likely to happen to me. I realize that they thought the same thing. So I don't know how far away something that tragic and that horrific can be for us, but I do know this. I, got, I get calls this morning like little Judah has fallen out of a two-story window. Suddenly, life has changed and all of a sudden we're dealing with a crisis. Many times I'll get calls in the night or in the middle of the day and suddenly someone is, is fallen over with a heart attack or someone calls and says, I, I've been given the bad news. I, I don't have long to live. I'll never ever forget the story of Dr. Horton, who I loved and was one of the men that the professors at Lee that poured the most into me. All four years that I was there, I had the highest respect for him, loved him. He was here many times and, and I loved that man. I just, I, I, I thanked God for his influence over my life. Every word that he spoke to me was powerful and it transformed and changed me. And I'll never forget when Campus Choir was on tour in the Caribbean and he was there. It was the first time they'd ever really been to the Caribbean and they were doing this, this tour of churches there on the islands and they took a break and they went down to the waters and they were walking along the beach and he had Sister Virginia in his arm and he was walking with the kids as they were all laughing and throwing each other in the water and all of a sudden Virginia says that Dr. Horton, David stopped, looked up into the sunset and said, Wow. And fell to the ground, immediately ushered into heaven without a moment. Crisis. Suddenly met with the question that James is asking. What does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? Is he a Christian? He makes up this person. He says, if someone says, it's hypothetical. They're, they're a Christian. They believe. They have faith. But they have nothing behind that. They have no, there is no care. There is no compassion. There's no love. They're, they're not really, they're not really showing this faith alive in their lives. There, there are no works. 
Now notice I said in the beginning of the service, I said, works does not save us. We know that. You can't earn salvation. You can't buy it. You can't attend church enough to gain it. You can't do things to get into heaven. We don't believe that. The Bible is clear to point out we're saved by grace. Not by works, lest any man, woman, boy or girl should ever get up and boast. But James is pointing something out very important. He says, you can't be saved by your works. We know this. He's saying, but here's my question for you. If a man or woman or boy or girl says they have faith, but they have no works that follow that faith, are they saved? Are they a Christian? And James dares to ask that question. He's asking it in light of salvation. He's asking it in light of evaluation, examination for us. He's trying to encourage us to ask these hard questions of ourselves. But let me tell you about someone else who's asking this question every day. Don't think for a moment that shooter was really intrigued and curious about the faith of those students. Don't think for a moment those terrorists over in Midi's countries pulling people together and videoing their beheadings and their tortures. Don't think for a moment that when they're asking them the question, are you a Christian? Don't think for a moment that they're laying awake at night, curious in their beds as to how many of those people walking down the street are Christians. They could care less. The question is not being asked by man and by those people. The question is being tormented into the minds and hearts of those terrorists and those shooters by the author of confusion, the enemy, the devil himself. The true terrorist is asking the questions around the world and he's bragging and boasting now of doing it publicly, doing it in video, doing it in live HD. But he's also asking you every single day the same question. He's asking you that question when you're at the shopping market, when you're at work, when you're with your family, when you're with your wife or your husband. He's asking you the same question. He's challenging your faith constantly. He's in your face. Are you a Christian? I will prove that you are not. He's constantly looking for a way to terrorize, to torture, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he's working overtime in this hour and in this day. And James says, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works, can that faith save him? The word works there is a Greek word, ergon, E-R-G-O-N. It means to be doing, to be busy in the present tense, to have an ongoing condition. So when James is talking about faith, with works, he's talking about, is there an ongoing activity in your life, an action that is constantly coming from this heart of faith that you have received? Are you looking for people, for places, for things you can do to be active in this belief system? That Christ has saved you. Are you taking that salvation and are you turning that into action? What are you doing for the sake of Christ? James says a faith 
A faith that has no works is dead. So when the terrorist, the enemy, is looking into the face of Christians today, he's asking, are you a Christian? The answer, if we look into that faith and see no works, James says, is dead. Is dead. It's not alive. It's, it's not real. So are, is that man saved? James says, no. No, he's not. That, that is the question today. The world is looking at Stratford Heights, at the church, at Christians. They work with you, they eat with you, they play ball with you, they, children's all, they, your children all go to school together. They're with you everywhere you go, and all of them, in the back of their mind, the enemy, the terrorist, is, are they a Christian? Are they for real? Are they the real deal? They watch your attitude, they watch how you respond, they watch what you do, they watch how you, what compassion you have, they watch everything about you. And we know there are a lot of works, there's praying, there's teaching, preaching, there's worshiping, there's all of these things and none of them, we don't want to ever undervalue the importance of those attributes and those, those pursuants in our lives. We love God and we want to serve God and worship him. But he's making it very clear here today, and this is a hard one in our preparations. I've preached about getting ready, being ready for the rapture in light of the signs and wonders of the last days. I've been talking about us being ready and being unified as a church and moving in the power of the Spirit and making sure that answered prayers are coming alongside of us and we're pleasing to God and His Word. But today, it's not about the church we've done. We've went from the church, the bride, to the individual. To you and to me. Because see, James is not just talking to the world. He's actually not talking to the world at all. He's talking to brothers and sisters. And that means from the pulpit all the way to the back pew, left to the right. All of us today, hard message. But are we the real deal? Have we found Christ and faith in Christ to where it has transformed and changed our lives and that there is an outflow, an overflow. You know why the world gets disillusioned with the church? Because they're asking this question over and over again and the answer keeps coming back, no, no, we're not the real deal. Get out of my way, you bother me. We look at the needs and the cares and the concerns of the world around us, the people around us, even our brothers and sisters. And like the Good Samaritan story, we don't have time. We are too busy. We can't do that. I don't want to be involved. So we walk on the other side of the road. But you know what's worse? What's worse than just 
like the priest or the Levite, seeing the man in the road and walking on the other side. Do you know what's worse than that? Listen to what James says. What is a prophet, my brother? And if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can this faith save him? Next verse. He doesn't go into how often do you pray? How often do you go to church? Do you pay your tithe? Do you do this? Do you do that? What all do you do? No, he says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for their body? He says, what does it profit? So then he says the famous words in verse 17, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This is a tough one. It's tough for me to preach, to evaluate in my own life. I'm busy, but I'm evaluating, I'm stopping. And I've already prayed the prayer that says, God, forgive me if my compassion, my compassions fail. Forgive me if I've ever been too busy. Forgive me if my mouth writes a check, my life isn't cashing. Forgive me. When the world, when the terrorists, or when God asks me if I'm a Christian, I want to be like those students. I want to not think about it. I want my first inclination to be, yes, I am. I am a believer. I'm so proud of them. I can't wait to meet them. I can't wait to meet them. To look at them. And you, you didn't have seconds. You couldn't text anybody. You couldn't think about your loved ones. You couldn't think about nothing. You were just given a terminal moment. Seconds to answer. And you didn't even have to think about it. Wow. Wow. You're awesome. James says, apparently, this person is unchanged by the gospel. He might as well be an unbeliever. To say we have faith and to have no works with our faith, to have no expression, no action, nothing that flows out of us, all givers. Now listen, I understand what it is. There's a lot of takers out there. I meet them a lot. And I'm not talking about that, whether it's right or wrong. A lot of people abuse and they, 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 they think, you know, they, they want to, I don't even want to get into that. I don't want to tear that message out. There's a lot of takers in the world. I'm talking about who we should be as givers. Help, serve, love, pray. The fruits of the Spirit in action in our lives. Galatians chapter 5. 
Understanding and knowing the truth of God's word alive in our lives. This is what is true about us as believers and should be. Giving of ourselves so that what's in us is real and comes out of us. That's why Jesus spoke to John the Revelator when he was writing Revelation. And he talked about the church of Laodicea. And he said, I would that you were neither cold or hot. I would that you were either cold or hot, because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Even Jesus says that kind of faith is disgusting, makes him sick. Now we understand why. Because what good is a faith that doesn't spurn us to action? What kind of faith is it at all? It's no faith at all. And so today the challenge comes to us as we're trying to be more concerned and more ready for what is coming and what is happening in this end time. It's right for us to stay true to the words of God and to the power of God. What is much worse than the Good Samaritan story is not that we have walked off to the side and completely ignored those people. It's not that at all. The story that James is talking about is actually worse than the Good Samaritan story. Worse than the Levite and the priest because at least they ignored it. They're hiding. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to face it. They, they would rather just go on and do their own thing in their life. And they're too busy. And so they just ignore it and walk on the other side. What's worse is mouthy, lip service Christians who will see the need who will see the person and who will literally go over to them, get down right there with them and say, God bless you. I hope you stay warm. I hope you get enough to eat. Hope you'll be okay. God bless you. Bye. At least at least the Levite and the priest didn't have the audacity to walk up to them and actually pat them on the back and say, God bless you. I, I chose some other versions of that's the very scripture that we're reading. I wanted you to hear what it said. One version said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal. Another version said, God be with you, stay warm, and make sure you get enough to eat now. The Phillips version said, good luck to you. I hope you'll keep warm and find enough to eat. My favorite, well, goodbye, and God bless you. Stay warm and eat hearty. What does James say? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, goodbye, be warm, eat hearty, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, says, what does it profit? What good is that? That's why the world sits back and looks at us and says, who are you people? I'm all about 
us transforming ourselves and being real to the bone because we're going to build a church. And I want a church set up on a hill in this city that when people are hurting and they want to see Jesus and they want to get to Jesus, when they want to know what's real, when they want to look at this word of God and they question, is it real? Is God really there? Does he really care? I want him to be able to say, I know it's true because I've seen it in the faith of the believers up on that hill. Oh God, touch us this morning to be on fire for your work, to love what you love and to be filled with compassion, to be real and authentic. James is saying our faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, it's dead. So let's have faith alive. Let's be determined to go and do and be all the things that God has commanded us to be in his word. Let's receive the challenge and not be condemned by it, but challenged this morning to stand up and to be approved by God and to move forward and to allow faith, active faith, to be released out into the world so that people will know that God is real. I'll go back to something I preached three weeks ago when Elijah stood on top of that mountain. He looked up to God and his prayer was, God, send your fire down on this altar so that they will know that you are God. I want people to know he's more powerful than Allah. He's more powerful than Sun Young Moon. He's more powerful than Buddha. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. He is God, the omnipotent, the almighty, the holy one of glory. He created the earth, the moon, the sun, and the stars. And he is alive now in this hour. And they need to know he loves them. So we receive the challenge, we receive the anointing, we receive the power of God actively released out of our lives. We begin to look around and be the church. That's why I always say it. I always say, church is not dismissed. I love to watch visitors when I say that. They're like, oh, okay. One more song, okay, they sure sing a lot here. The end of service, I always say, church is not dismissed. The church is leaving the building. You are the church. I am the church. And I would say this. There might be people, even in this room, Amy, that would feel like, you know what, the church has hurt me. I've been hurt by people who are callous and don't care and they're cruel and they're mean. They don't meet needs of people. They don't help out people. I'd say forgive, forgive because today is a new day. I'm believing this message to challenge our church, to challenge us into a place where when we truly see the needs that are there, we'll do everything in our power to help and to be a servant wherever we find because our faith is active. And I'll tell you, when we live by faith, God provides. You may not have it right now, but when you need it, God's going to be there and he'll have it and he'll bless you abundantly and he'll open up the windows of heaven if necessary. That's why he says give because he wants to open up heaven and in you a channel to where he can bless others and be alive in this earth 
He's walking to and fro, looking for places to show himself powerful. He's a God who's full of love, and I'm going to close. Stand with me. That's why I'm so thrilled that God has given us the Clayton Street mission. I've told the Lord I've been on prayer every day, and I thank him for Clayton Street. I thank him for giving us that beautiful, wonderful facility that is going to take love and compassion and work, and then we're going to open the doors, and we're going to be to the city of Middletown. 100 years later, we go back to our original property, we go back to the place where we were born and we say to Middletown all over again, we love you. Jesus loves you. And that building over there that has stood, that there were revivals in and healings in and baptisms in. People got married there and people were saved there by the hundreds, thousands. We're going to go back into that building. And we're going to turn it in. We're going to turn it in to commandment number two. Because Jesus said... When he was asked, what is the most important, the greatest commandments? Jesus looked at them and said, the first is this, love God. Love him with everything you have in you. Love him. And he said, the second is this, love people. Love people. Love God, love people. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to be tired. And we're going to ache. Our knees are going to give out. But our faith is going to be activated in such a way that God's blessings are going to. You know what? I got up a couple of weeks ago, and I know nobody would, would care I say this. I told you that I, I went down to Clayton Street after I finally got the key. And, and I got the key right here. Finally got to go in, I walked in, I looked around, I shared with you that I was kind of blown away. Oh my goodness, there's roof leaks, and there's mold, and there's mess, and it's, it had been kind of abandoned for six months completely, and for a year in some areas, like the sanctuary, had nobody been in there for a year, and I didn't know that, and so imagine a year untouched with a roof leak. I walked through the building. I was just like, Lord, what did we get ourselves into? Lord, I'm, I'm a little worried, a little concerned. Looks good on the outside, but Lord, thank you, Mark, for cutting the grass. Looks really nice. But uh, wow, we've got a lot of work to do. And I walked down, I got in my car, and I sat there, and I was thinking, maybe, 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 maybe this is too much. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, do you think I'd give you that building and not make a way? Do you think I would do that and then not provide? I can give you something out of nothing. I can turn that into a miracle. Just it's already started as a miracle. And God said, I'm going to be, it's going to be a miracle all the way through it. He said, if I gave it to you, I'm going to take care of you. It's going to be all right. You better trust me, preacher. 
he's always having to knock me in the nugget. And I, I said, okay, Lord, I, you're right, you're right. I came back to the office, I said, it's going to be okay. Some of the other pastors were just as carnal as me, and they were like, what are we going to do with that place? And I said, God's going to take care of it. It's going to be all right. We're going to have, it's going to be all right. Within, within 48 hours, I had been in several discussions. One was a bunch of guys from Esperanza met me up here in, in the altar. They started telling me, and said, we got roofing companies. Did you know that? And I'm like, well, I heard that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we got roofing companies. We got two of them in here. And I said, really? And he said, pastor, wait, don't clap yet. You'll clap in just 30 seconds. He said, pastor, we're going to fix the roof. We'll fix that. We'll fix the leak. We'll take care of that. I said, now listen, you need to understand, it's bad. It's a flat roof. It's a rubber roof. It's terrible. It's horrible. He said, no problem. Pastor, we'll fix the roof. Now you can clap real big. <laughs> then, then the very next night I'm at dinner and and we're, we're just chatting and talking about the Clayton Street Mission. I'm telling this couple about the story. And, and we're going back and forth. And, and they're seeing how blessed it was and what a miracle it was. And, and the, the, the gentleman was so moved with compassion. He's sitting there. He says, you know what? He says, he says send me a list. He says, send me what you need. He said, I'm going to provide all the paint for the entire Clayton Street, for the whole mission. I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to give every bit of it to you. Then, then he turns around. And I'm like blown away by that. And he says, and I'll, go ahead and just add the flooring. I'll, I'll throw in all the flooring for everything that you need. I said, no way. No way. This is, this is awesome. He said, ah, while you're at it, he said, have one of your guys send me a whole list of all the supplies you need. And I'll, I'll do what I can. And I was like, wow, that's blown, oh, that blew me away. Then I turn around and the very next night, I'm standing in the altar right over here, and a wonderful couple comes up to me, and they said, Pastor, we feel led. We're going to give you $5,000 for the Clayton Street Mission, and we're going to put it, you put it on that roof, you put it wherever you need to to fix that thing. We want to be a part of that. The Lord has laid it on our hearts to do this, and I am literally blown away. I'm walking to my car. I get in my car, and I looked up, and the Lord said, I told you. you know what else he said? Here's what he said. And this is what I say to every one of you here today. He, he's saying, what he said to me, he's saying to you. He said, hey, you ain't seen nothing yet. I am a big, awesome, mighty God. And if you'll have faith in me, if you'll trust in me, step into nothing and watch what I provide. He's an awesome, mighty God. You one more time, Arthur. Do better than that. Let's rip up this roof right now with some praise. Hallelujah. He's an awesome and a mighty God. He'll come through 10 times out of 10 times. He'll always be there. So we activate our faith today. Are you a Christian? <laughs> awesome. I'm going to ask that again because that sounded great. Are you a Christian? <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, praise God. I feel like this city has no idea what's coming. 
they worry about storms and tornadoes and earthquakes. They ought to be worrying about higher heights at Stratford Heights. They need to be worrying about us because we're coming, and we're coming with love in our hearts, faith on fire to touch the hearts of the people in this city. I can't wait until we're already planning our third morning service. I can't wait until we're looking at miracle after miracle after miracle, and people are coming because they are suddenly realizing that God is real, and his power is real, and they see it in the eyes and in the hearts of his people. Amen? Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment, would you answer the question yourself? Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you a Christian? Are you trusting in God? Not in name only, not in lip service, but do you trust him with your life? Are you a Christian? Can you answer yes? You heard many people in here today, they can. And they're, they're excited, they're ready. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are here today and you'd say, Pastor, I can't say that. I can't. I want to, but I can't. My life doesn't show it. I'm the guy. I'm, I've said I'm a believer, but really I'm not. My life shows nothing. And I want to be today. Or maybe you'd say, I've never, I've never made a profession of faith, but I want to this morning. If you're here and you're ready to pray that prayer, we're going to pray it right where you're standing. Your seat becomes an altar and you're ready to say, okay, God, wow, I believe, I trust in you. And if I'm given that terminal question in a moment, that crisis moment, I want my answer to be without even a moment's hesitation. Yes. And if you'd like to pray that prayer this morning, right now, would you lift up your hand right where you are and right back down? I'm going to pray with you. Is there anyone at all? Pastor, pray with me this morning. I want to be right with God. Anyone at all in this house? Christians are praying right now. They're believing. Is there anyone at all waiting? I'll only wait a few more seconds. I'm not worried about whether you say yes or no to me. God bless you. God bless you. There's two. Is there anyone else? I want to be right with God. I want things right. The Holy Spirit is working in your heart where he's not. So are you here? A few more seconds. All right, for these that have lifted their hands saying, I want to know. I want to be sure. I want to give my life in such a way that there's no question. These that have lifted their hands today, and perhaps you're standing out in the audience and you, you couldn't bring yourself to, to lift your hand, pray the prayer. Pray the prayer and then tell someone. But let's pray together. Help me, church. Let's take these folks before the throne. This prayer prayed from your heart will change your entire life. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. I declare that you are Lord. You're the Son of God. Be the Lord of my life. I know that you died on the cross. And that you rose from the grave. You purchased my salvation. I give you my life.
I give you my heart. Help me to be strong. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 That's all it takes. That's it. God doesn't make it hard, but he sure does make it real. So today, if you're in the congregation and you'd like special prayer, please feel comfortable at this time to come forward into the altar. Our pastors are here to pray with you. We want to believe with you. Melissa Grawl is right here. She's our discipleship pastor. If you accepted Christ today or if you prayed that prayer with her, I want you to meet her in the lobby at the discipleship booth. She just wants to give you some information to help you get rooted in your walk with God. As these come, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. And If you're coming back this evening, come back at 6 o'clock ready. Lester is a wonderful young man raised in southern Ohio, been on The Voice, been on television. He is a fantastic singer, wonderful singer and good friend of mine. I'll be looking forward to seeing him here tonight at 6 o'clock. Father, we come before you. We ask you to touch us, continue to challenge us as we move from this place and to go out into this world. To Lord, in those moments of challenge, crisis, and everyday living, may our lives reflect a very big yes, that you are the Son of God and that we are believers. Go with our people today as they leave this house. Touch them and minister through them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. to pay your tithes or gifts. You can also do that online as well at shcog.com. This broadcast is made possible from people just like you who come together to worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whenever you're in the southwestern Ohio area, we would love to have you join us for service. Our Sunday service schedule is at 8.30 and 10.40 a.m. and at 6 p.m. Sunday evenings. On Monday, do Wednesday night, it's the Family Life Night. And Thursday, the Esperanza Hispanic Worship Service. Please join us at the Stratford Heights Church of God in Middletown, Ohio.